Good morning and welcome back to Dudamus Maximus Helps. Um, if you've never been here before or listened to this podcast before, this is a podcast where I try and give a little caretaker advice, have something to say about caretakers, some support, so that they know they're not the only people in the world that are out there doing the thing. Um, I was caretaker for my wife for 19 years, and the further it went into the distance, the worse it got. And after a while, it seemed like it was it was that bad and i had to get hospice involved and the ladies at hospice were very kind if you've listened to my early episodes i spoke of how they have an extra gene in their body that makes them compassionate towards these people who are physically dying right in front of them it's a difficult situation to be in being a caretaker can be a thankless job but as long as you keep it all in perspective and know that uh, you're doing it for a reason you are hanging by this person and making sure that something good is coming in their direction because they can't. So if you're worried, if, if you're wondering if you're a caretaker or not, if you're a person that lives with you or in your house, or maybe it's your mother, it could be your, your husband, your wife, your kids, their shortcomings, like they can't get up and walk around, they can't fix something to eat for themselves, they can't even get up and get something to drink. And you're filling in the gaps for them and doing those things for them, helping them to the bathroom, helping them get in and out of the tub, um, bathing them if that's what it comes down to, that's what it came down to for me, then you're a caretaker. You are filling in the gaps that they have shortcomings for, and you're making sure that the needs that they have in those areas are met. So you are a caretaker. Be the best caretaker you can be if you're doing this. If this is this is something that's not delegated to everybody, some people in their whole entire lifetime may never ever be a caretaker. But then there's the rest of us who, at one point or another, want to make sure that somebody's well-being and betterment is sought after. It was my wife, so I believed in those wedding vows. I took those vows and I meant them. I never once looked at another woman. I never once strayed away from her. And when the time when came time to push that big rock up the hill I pushed with all my might and got that rock to the top of the hill and saw my wife through on her journey of life some people are meant to be there in the beginning of your life some people are meant to be there in the middle some people are meant to be there in the end luckily for my wife I was meant to be there in the she had a rough rough beginning from the story she told me her very beginning was very rough and there was a lot of uh, you know divorced parents there's a lot of moving around and other relatives involved a lot of moving parts is very rough for her but I came along in the middle and we had smooth sailing for a couple of years there it was very very pleasant I enjoyed being married to her when she was all the way healthy that was so much fun you couldn't you couldn't defeat us we're uh we're a team we're a unit couldn't mess with her without messing with me couldn't mess with me without messing with her she was just that way and i was the same way man we were we were hand in glove so not everybody has that kind of relationship but when you do one of us needed caretaking i honestly feel like she would have done the same thing for me that i would have done for her so i put my best foot forward every day even when the times got really tough I still put my best foot forward and I was her strength. I was her rock. And luckily to this day, I'm still that strong person. Um, I'll never forget the day that she passed away and I had to go make the funeral arrangements. And the funeral director, Amy, asked me, you know, so who are you going to have do the eulogy? And I, I looked her right in the eye and I said, I'm doing the eulogy. Why? Is that a problem? She said, well, most husbands don't do the eulogy and I looked her right back in the eye and without even thinking about it just said I'm not most husbands I was a very 
very strong person for my wife, man. I, I love the crap out of her. And I, you know, there's things that I didn't like, like the car trips to the heart hospital. There was a bridge that we had to cross over. That was kind of a lumpy bridge and she hated that bridge, but it was the fastest way to get there and the fastest way to get home. So she would always insist going that way. And I knew going that way, there was going to be some trouble. <laughs> she complained every time. I don't think I went over that bridge one time where she didn't complain. Uh, I take that back. She was kind of out of it one time and was sleeping and did not even know we were going over the bridge. Um, she had gotten the double pneumonia and I had to take her to a pulmonologist at the heart hospital. And it involved, you know, a couple day hospital stay and stuff. But that particular time, she did not say anything going over the bridge because she was so feeling so bad. She was out of it and sleeping. You know, I kept making sure she was breathing. If I had to call an ambulance, I would have. Or if I had to, you know, speed up to 100 miles an hour and turn the, the flashers on, I would have done that too. But it's the kind of caretaker I am. It's the kind of thing that, uh, once again, not everybody gets delegated this type of uh, stuff too. But once, if you do, be the best at it you can be. Don't take a backseat to anybody for any reason. Listen to advice that other people give you. You know, weed through the good advice that's going to work for you and just let the other stuff go in one ear and out the other because there's all kinds of people out there they're going to offer you advice on caretaking. And the best thing you can do is make up your own mind. Be your own judge. Uh, use your best judgment and make sure that, you know, you are doing for your caretaker the right thing you need to do. I gave these numbers in the last episode. I'm going to go ahead and give them again. There is a number you can call if you don't have any help at all and don't have a computer. Pick up your phone. Call 1-855-227-3632. And that is the Caregiver Action Network. Once again, that number is 1-855-227-3640. And once again, it is the Caregiver Action Network. That's probably got a wealth of resources that you can turn to if you're, if you're you know, stuck in a corner or your back is up against the wall or if you're just stuck and you feel like you need help. I'm sure that counselors you can talk to as well several websites you can go to there's a whole a whole myriad of them um, caregiver.org is the one that I would have if I needed help I would have went to I was lucky caregiving for my wife I had a little a little network of people all of her doctors and nurses and I could call on any of them at any time I could even call her specialist and get a next day appointment if I had to because my wife's condition was that severe and I had a good open line of communication with them. And, you know, I always tried to tell jokes when I went in there, even though she hated that. I still tried to be the best me I could be, even out in public, even hauling her around somebody who didn't want to be there. She did not like to go to any doctor's appointments. She did not like any of that stuff. So it, it became quite difficult there towards the end. But once they diagnosed her with the, the terminal liver cancer, things kind of changed. Excuse me for one second. All of her life, she was always talking about dying. She always wanted to die. And then when they diagnosed her with the terminal liver cancer, suddenly she wanted to live. She knew that her time was short and she kind of lightened up a little bit. Um, she used to say things like, you know, whenever you come home, I get butterflies in my stomach. And that always made me feel good and stuff. But when it got there towards the end, she never said any of those things. She was more like, you need to go out and do stuff instead of staying in here taking care of me. Well, if I would have went out and done stuff, I would have been bad for her. So I made sure that I stuck as close to her as I could. Um, it kept me a little cooped up in the house from time to time. And it also kept me from working on the house more than I should. But I'm doing that now. Now that I have the time, I'm doing that. I'm fixing this house up, I'm getting ready to sell this thing and move back to the city since I work in the city already. And I truly love my job. So, okay, enough about the caretaking thing. I've spoken on it now for almost eight minutes. 
Let's move on to tonight's subject, which is your cool, your brand of cool. Everybody looks at everybody else and wonders, is that person cool? Or there's some of us who feel cool and we look at other people and say, I wonder what their brand of cool is. Back in the 70s, it was easy to determine. Once again, I'm a throwback, so I can relate these stories from the 70s. 1974, there was a program that came on TV. It was called Happy Days. Um, had a character in there. The character's name was Arthur Fonzarelli. Everybody called him the Fonz. The Fonz was what cool was supposed to be. That's what TV labeled as cool was. He could walk into Arnold's Drive-In, which is part of one of the places uh, comedy show took place at he could walk in Arnold's drive-in between the bathrooms was a jukebox between the doors to the bathrooms he could hit that jukebox and a song would start playing he'd snap his fingers and a girl would come up to him right away and he would either start making out with her or he would start dancing with her or put her, his arm around her and then they would walk out of Arnold's drive-in he made it look easy it's not that easy to be that cool depends on how intelligent you are you have to make sure that uh in order to look cool in other people's eyes. First of all, I don't care what other people think. That's just me. I have never been one to worry about what other people think. I've always been a unique individual. Um, if you've listened to these episodes, you know that I don't have any kids of my own. I chose not to have kids because I was raised by a stepdad who used to kick the crap out of us. And by kick the crap out of us, I mean literally grab you by your arm, start kicking you, kicking you, kicking you. And he would he would be easily upset. So you'd have to walk on pins and needles around him. Well, for me, that's one of the reasons why I'm so strong nowadays. I already went through that as a kid. Man, it was easy for me when I got to be an adult to deal with people because I knew exactly how not to deal with people. I knew that was the wrong thing to do. So I always try to uh, deal with people and make sure that they had... Uh, you know, the dealing with me was pleasant that I said intellectual things and made sure that I could communicate well with them. Sometimes I needed help. Sometimes I didn't. But I was always able to at least express my point of view because I knew exactly how not to express it. Slim was a classic example of being a jackass. So my version of cool is to not be a jackass. But under the heading of cool with me, there comes many things. There comes uh, positive mental attitude, uh, positive mental attitude at work. Uh, there's barbecue that comes under that. There's uh, some sorts of talent that come with it. I'm very good at rebuilding small engines and things. Um, I'm a cartoonist. I do a lot of cartooning work. I don't put any of it out there, but I just don't feel like it's my time yet. <clears throat> there's some talents you have that you save for yourself. You share brief glimpses of them with other people from time to time, but you, you just save that stuff for yourself, man, because that's one of the things that keeps me strong, man. I can sit down and cartoon like nobody's business but my own. There's a lot of head, things that come under the heading, man, I'm an excellent cook. I said barbecue, but I'm talking about cooking in the kitchen. I definitely know my way around the kitchen. Now, I'm looking at some of the other people, and I hear some cooking stories from other people, and I'm saying, kudos to you as a young person. At least you're trying, and you're doing those things that expand your horizon. To me, that's what cool is, making sure that you um, learn everything that you can while it's being taught, and that if you have something to teach, that you share that. Be that type of person, man, who will reach out there, and if you see somebody is struggling, help them. Let them know there are people like you that are good people in this world who want to see that you go ahead and get ahead in this world and that nothing bad is going to come to you. Um, 
I'm, I try and conduct myself like that everywhere I go. You know, like I said, um, from the grocery store to the post office to any restaurant I go to, I always, whenever I go to a restaurant, I always engage the wait person and communicate with them and tell a joke if I can, you know, but I want them to have a better day when I leave than they did before I came in there. I want them to know that there are positive people out there because there's so many negative people. There, I look around while I'm meeting and I see all these negative people and I wonder, what is their brand of cool, man? What makes them so negative like that? Did they get up and eat lemons in the morning? Because a lot of them have this sourpuss look on their face, and I've, I just don't understand it. For me, since Terry has died, and it's been almost two years now, April 5th, it'll be two years, It's uh, life is too short, man. Why would you want to go around with a dark cloud hanging over you and a rain coming down on top of you that other people can visibly see because you're making it obvious, you know, maybe it's just that I'm an observer or something like that. But I look at them and I say, I wonder what their brand of cool is. I mean, what what is it that makes them tick that they do to like enjoy? Is it read a book or, you know, is it dig holes in the ground or what? Why are these people so miserable and what makes them tick? And then I think to myself, myself, there's a classic example of what you don't want to be like. You want to be a positive person. Once again, it may just be me and it may just be because I'm kind of strong, but I feel like I try and affect the people around me in a positive way, but that it's a good positive way that they'll take something with all the stuff. I say some pretty off the wall stuff sometimes. Um, I tell some stupid jokes. Matter of fact, when I got hired at my job, I had to let them know up front. I tell bad jokes and I hope that doesn't isn't offensive to anybody. Well, luckily my boss likes to hear bad jokes. So I've been at this job now. I've been in the printing industry over 30 years. This At the end of this month, it'll be the 31st year. So, and we're coming right up to it. It'll be next week. I've been in the printing industry 31 years, but uh, my job is, uh, my boss was a long time uh, person in the industry as well and has heard so many bad jokes that the new ones that I bring are kind of refreshing, I think, in a way. So, be you, man. Don't don't ever be anybody else. Be Tell your bad jokes. Do the things that you do. You know, the, my job involves physical feats of strength. Um, I print billboards for a living, and when I move the billboard material around, the, the brand new rolls weigh 340 pounds a piece. They're very heavy. They have to be put onto a cart and then have to be wheeled in and stacked. But every time I use one, I have to use a cart to pick them up. But I have to, you know, at one point, there is a point when you have to physically move the rolls. And you move them one side at a time, so it's moving 170 pounds at a time. You know, I weigh just a little bit more than that. I weigh 185 pounds, so it makes me feel good to know that here I am just a little heavier in the rolls, but I can pick it up and move them. But nobody's going to pick me up and move me. I'm very adamant about that. <laughs> you cannot defeat me. I'm too positive. You, you will not defeat me. So find out what your brand of cool is and stick by it, man. Do those kind of things. You may like to crochet. You may like to, you know, do needlepoint. You may like to cartoon. You may like to cook. You may like to barbecue and can barbecue so well that walking around the neighborhood, you can see what trees to use if branches ever fall off of to grab to bring home to barbecue. Trees you don't want to use are like, you don't want to use elm. It stinks when it burns. You don't want to use uh, maple. Maple kind of stinks when it burns. Uh, you definitely, I have a, a Oh, I'll think of the name of the tree here in a minute. There's several trees you don't want to use, but the ones you do want to use, pecan. Right next door to me is a big pecan tree. I've done several TikToks on the pecan tree while I was barbecuing. I have the camera showing the barbecue smoking and then the pecan tree in the background. Well, the pecan tree is one third empty from the bottom up. 
there's only only, only the upper two-thirds of the tree have branches and stuff sticking out of them the rest of them that have all been cut off i have to throw them over the fence i got my chainsaw out cut them up in pieces and i've cooked with every bit of that tree and it's kind of funny because that's the tree's got to be old it's you know it's probably 35 feet tall anyway it's it's naked on the bottom of it and when i first moved in there i didn't have a stockade fence i had a a, a chain link fence at the time and you could clearly see the tree and it was branches all the way to the bottom but a couple years after i moved in well not even a couple years the year i moved in i put up a stockade fence and then more and more branches came off that tree and now it's bare up above taller than the stockade fence so i kind of get a kick out of that but uh, going back to the types of wood that you should cook with man i tell you my favorite one is apricot apricot smells like perfume when it burns and there's not very many apricot trees around here but the ones that are around here there's a little grove and my buddy has a rent house on it and it's the property on the back side of the rent house he owns that whole property and every now and again he'll ask me to come over and if i will cut some of that down you know or weed it back off of um, one of the trees is right up against his garage there's a garage that's right next to this little thing and the tree's so big that the branches grow onto the roof and i try and watch out for it because there's actually two trees up there i'll get up on the roof and cut those branches off and then cook with them and he knows I kind of keep an eye out for him, but he also knows what I do and has eaten the barbecue before and said, man, this is tasty. And I had to tell him, I use the wood from your little uh, apricot grove back there in order to make this food. And if you cook with apricot wood, it's always good to do like a little a sauce, a little melange, like a, get some apricot jelly and make it into sauce or just add it to barbecue sauce. For some reason, the apricot jelly accentuates the smoky taste on the wood. So that's just another brand of my cool, man. I know things like that. A lot of people don't know stuff like that, and I do. And when I do, because other people don't know it, I try and share stuff like that. And people say, you really put apricot jelly in with some barbecue sauce? Yes, I not only put apricot jelly in with some barbecue sauce, Jumex makes an apricot nectar that you can get. I'll put that in a little tapatio into some barbecue sauce, just, you know, some regular old a generic barbecue sauce and man does that stuff came out it, it's so tasty it's incredible how tasty it is until you actually have eaten it and you realize there's a little heat there but there's also a lot of sweet there and then the smoke just makes it 100% better so it's kinds of things hang on just one second gotta wet my whistle those are the kind of things that uh, you've learned along the way that make you individually cool so, I mean, your individual cool may be stamp collecting. It could be coin collecting. It could be anything. The most important thing is that you're doing something. If you're just sitting around feeling bad for yourself all the time, then how are you going to know what you're in? You're, you have to work on yourself and test yourself and expand your horizons, man. You have to get out there and do things in this world. You can't just let stuff happen, man. You have to get out there and make stuff happen. If you want to be... Uh, if you want to be an intelligent person you have to be well-rounded intelligently and not just all isolated into one area you have to be well-rounded intelligent so while i'm barbecuing i may be listening to all different kinds of music at the same time and singing these songs and a lot of the music i listen to some other people may enjoy it but have not heard that song before and wondered where do i get songs like that well, that's one of my little secrets, man. That's one of the things that makes me cool. I'm glad if they ask, I will gladly tell. But if they don't, and I just keep that to myself, man, because I don't want other people selling up my secret things where I can get, you know, where I, I enjoy those kind of things and I'm going to keep on enjoying them. 
I'm the one who plays the music at work, so I try and play a medley of stuff that everybody else in the shop will enjoy. And I have half of the shop by myself just because the pro the printing that I do, the billboards are so big, I need a place that to lay them out on. And a lot of people who take the tour of the shop say, well, why are there so many tables on that side of the shop? It's to lay the billboards on, man. You can't just throw those things on the floor and weld them. You have to have them up on a table and you have to, the welders, you know, 55 feet long. So you have to make sure that all your ducks are in a row and that everything is copacetic because these types of things, when they get ruined, can be quite expensive. So the best thing for me to do is just work with my confidence and my brand of cool, which part of my brand of cool is making billboards now. I've done everything in the printing industry. I've been all up and down that uh, corporate ladder. I've been everything from the general manager to the cutter operator to the delivery guy. Sometimes I did all those things in one night just to help the shop because I'm committed like that. I am all the way in. Some people say, uh, I don't know if I can make that kind of commitment. With my brand of cool, man, when you, I'm on your team, you know I'm somebody you want on your team. So I'm just going to keep on doing the things that I do and not worry about what other people think because I'm comfortable with my brand of cool. I look at some of us talking about eating and looking at some of these other people who look like they ate lemons and stuff. I wonder if they are comfortable with their brand of cool or if because they're uncomfortable with their brand of cool, that's what makes them miserable. But then I think, no sense in wasting time on that, man. There's so much more to do in life, man. There's so much more fun to have. So... I'm committed to that now. I'm committed to this life. It's just me alone in this world. I have no kids. I have no relatives. Um, it's just me. I have two two dogs. I have two schnauzers, man. And my schnauzers are cool. They are my companions, man. They make me feel welcome when I come home and stuff. But even if I didn't have them, I would still be comfortable with my own brand of cool. It's just, it's the way to be. Sometimes the type of music you listen to really shapes your brand of cool. And sometimes it could be, I don't know. It could be the stuff, the books that you read that shape your brand of cool. Just make sure that you're ever evolving and that you don't get stagnant, man. There's too many stagnant people in this world and they don't even know that they're stuck. So just be the best you you can be in life and make sure that when you're going about your daily business that you treat people with respect. Make sure that other people know that you're a respectful person and that when they have dealings with you that not only you're going to communicate well, but they're going to get some respect shown to them. That's what I do. I think other people really enjoy that. I think that there's not enough people like me in this world, but that's just what I think. So I think I've spoke up about enough about your own brand of cool. And I hope that it's, I've said something that really triggers and makes you think, you know, what is your brand of cool and how can you improve it? You know, every, everything could always use some improving. It doesn't matter how big or how small. So just make sure that you're comfortable with you. If you're comfortable with you, I'm pretty darn sure you're comfortable with your own brand of cool. So once again, I'm going to go ahead and close this episode out on that. Like, follow, and share. If you know somebody could use this message, turn them on to this podcast. Let them hear it because that's what I'm here for, man. I just want to make sure that people need to hear a message like this from time to time, and I'm speaking it. So there it is. Anyway, you take care, and you have a great day, and until next time.